0: Hello and welcome to Tall Tales, a new podcast series presented to you by the International Literature Festival Dublin in partnership with Molly, uh, Museum of Literature Ireland, where uh, we're sitting here today recording. A Tall Tales podcast series is perfect for everyone who loves children's books. I'm Shane Hegarty, the author of Boot and Darkmouth, and today I'll be delving into our final Tall Tales chapter with Lorraine Levis and David O'Callaghan on raising a child who loves books. Hello, Dave and Lorraine, how are you doing? How are you doing? Fantastic. <laughs> good, good. So I'm going to read out this because it's actually very impressive when you go through it. So we might as well let you have uh, have this. Um, so Lorraine, you work with Penguin, Random House, children's books, and you're an Irish Times columnist and a children's books expert. And your primary focus is on helping children and their grown-ups find the perfect stories, no matter what their interest or ability. Your book, Once Upon a Reader... You know this, by the way, but I'm reading this out for the... I hope uh, so. You know this. Your book, Once Upon a Reader, is a roadmap for anyone who wants to help a new generation from prenatal babies to young adults foster a love of reading. Now, we should say it's a best-selling roadmap. It's not a, you know, it's a, it's done very, very well. So congratulations on that. And Dave, in case you weren't sure what your job was, you're um, children's and YA book category manager at Eason, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. which doesn't sound quite as sort of, dramatic. you know, <laughs> dramatic. But uh, to people in the world of books, you're quite literally a champion bookseller. You're probably the person in Ireland as responsible if not more most responsible for i would say pushing children's books up through the store gradually creeping their way up from the back all the way and you can see it i'm out in um, scary's in north county dublin but but swords uh, pavilions has a an Eason's there where they've literally opened up the front and the first thing you see are the children's books, which I think says a huge amount about where we are for children's books now. And David, you also run uh, just just in case you need to get uh, back at it, Depcon, uh, Ireland's biggest young adult convention.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> I Remember that? I remember live events uh, used to be so.
0: Good. I know, and this is it's um it's been a strange one, hasn't it? I mean, how have you found it, David? In terms of the like, I mean, it's interesting. The pavilions kind of opened up. And yeah. I use that as an example, but you know, probably for sort of, I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but it, in order to help because of the pandemic and the, yes. and a lot of that, but but at the same time, it's it's put children's books. It seems to be a real idea now for you to put those children's books right there. So literally, they're the first thing in lights that you see when you walk in through the door.
1: Yeah, because like like children's books, like throughout the year and especially around Christmas, floats between twenty five to thirty percent of all sales of books you know across all categories um but um yes in the last few years there's been a push in the company to you know to to get them slowly you know i've been in the shops when you know i've lurked in the back you couldn't get any further from the stock room at the back for kids books but each time and you can see what through these various golden eras we've been living through um they are box office. like i'll always go on about it i'll bore people to that about how um whether it's the charts and the papers and stuff you'll notice they never read they'll say the top 10 in Ireland but kids books won't be there um, so you'll be like eh hello what about us yeah. so, so the only thing you can do is write and we're going to be right in your face Um and in fairness especially coming into the autumn with the space obviously now in store trying to sort that whole idea out and giving people room to move around it's also throughout the year kids go into the section buy their own books I suppose they they, especially the older ones, they want to choose. You can be a parent and try convince them, but they'll go, no, I want to read this one. Whereas autumn especially is when parents need to be led. And the pro- a lot of this here today will be kind of directing people to, you know, and it's it's, it's a subtle way of saying, well, this is what's happening at the moment, whether it's recommends or bestsellers and blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah. it's just making it easier, like we do with the adults forever. It's about time. And we, we are, in fairness, pushing the big across all the store
0: so yeah it's exciting and Lorraine you know on that in terms of adults looking for help you started an Irish Times column when exactly did you start that and what was the idea behind it
2: so that was uh, a lifetime ago back at the start (laughs) of the year (laughs) when um, yeah so I'd done a couple of uh, pieces for the Irish Times online uh, previously just airing my you know venting about children's books in general and trying to get kids to read and so I noticed that I because I started my career as a bookseller um from when I was a teenager and this is that's where myself and yourself Shane met first because I remember you came in to do an event with us in Black Rock and uh I used to get the same questions over and over again from parents from you know from teeny tiny kids up to teen YA age of you know, what she should be reading, when they should be reading certain things, and what should I be looking out for? And so I realised that, you know, these are obviously things that people are feeling constantly. So why not just put it in one place where I could answer that question, have sort of my definitive opinion on it, and at the same time recommend books that would, uh, you know, especially mid-list or older books that would fit the bill, that maybe don't get the uh, the attention and love they deserve. Uh, by the yeah. media, obviously, they we're getting new books constantly, so that's where that came about.
0: And and is that the what do you find that people's main problem is when they're coming? And again, I suppose we're talking predominantly about the adults who are buying the books for the kids. What is the thing that they face when they walk in and they and they see the books in front of them that they just find? Is it the choice that's overwhelming? Is it is it the the Is it the fact that sometimes they feel that they have to veer towards the same books that we already know and which are in those charts every week and aren't aware of what else there is?
2: Yeah, exactly. It's the vastness of it. Whenever you go into a bookshop and you're either, you know, you've got the table where you can see all of the covers and everything. But other than that, it's just shelves of spines. And that's incredibly overwhelming. And if you consider you know, as Dave was saying, children's books over the year, we've been pushing our way to the forefront because, you know, in generations past, there wasn't as much emphasis on different stages of reading. It was more school focused. And then there was kids books and then there was grown up books. And so there's more focus now on going from your picture books to your early readers to your, you know, middle grade into teen YA and so there are more stages which means more choices which means more confusion and so that was the main problem that people had is that they knew that they wanted the best for the people that they were buying the books for the kids but they just didn't know where to start
0: and do you find that parents will often buy based on what they think the kid wants compared to when a kid comes in and picks up a book what they actually want to read.
2: Yeah, and they always have the best of intentions. They want to spend their money on something that is going to be helpful in the most amount of ways. And whenever you have a perception, as a lot of adults do, that books need to have some sort of added intellectual value, that's all well and good, except then you're pushing into school book territory. And most of the time, what kids want in their books is entertainment. They want, you know, escapism. They want to be taken away from school and their everyday lives. And mm. so, focusing on what they want to read should be more important than maybe, you know, the vocabulary they might take out of it anyway. Yeah.
0: And, uh, Dave, what do you find, again, <coughs> you know, from a bookseller point of view, what do you see the difference being between adults when they're picking children's books and children when they stand in front of those shelves?
1: Um, well, there's a few. The kind of the two differences of what you kind of see is one is the the parent who will unleash their children into the kids section and say, "Get in there, grab a few books, come back to me in four hours, and we we'll buy them books for you." You know, which is, <laughs> and it's great because the kids they know what they want and they'll want, and they will literally they don't need guidance in the in the section. They're taking out this point, and this is where it all comes down to. If you've got a crap cover, you better do something about something because kids will go that's rubbish um so that's one end then you've got um it's probably you could argue it's either the gifting kind of side where a parent is trying to buy a present and i suppose the big thing for me over the last few years especially the last three or four years is i suppose the category of uh, inverted commas gift book and so what is a gift book it can be everything from a reference book to a beautiful i suppose irelandopedia or Um, A lot of these books are what I'd call Education by Stealth. So they're beautiful books and beautifully designed. Um, A parent feels good about giving them to a child because they look amazing. Ultimately, the book may be about the weather, but it's huge, sells huge copies because kids are fascinated by these because they're, they're seeing all the illustrations and it's also done in a childlike way. So... You know, Adam Kay, uh, who did the uh, This is Gone to Hurt, he's brought out Kay's Anatomy, which is a classic anatomy book, but it's done for kids by Adam Kay, And we all know that kids love the brain and, you know, all blood coming out and stuff like that. He does a brilliant job, but this is ultimately an anatomy book, what it's done for kids. So that's something I could see a parent going. You know, a kid won't say, get me the book about the body. That's a parent who will hear an interview or something like that. So... The gifting section has, especially again around the autumn, has been massive and increased beyond belief. Um, but the fiction side, a lot of that parents may buy the, the names they're used to, but the kids themselves going in is what really yeah. is to kind of get down there now and yeah. come back with 52 books. And I'll pick, let you pick one of them. Um, I don't, I've always seen, take, go down and get two books. They always come back with four. They never come back <laughs> because they're hedging their bets, and then the, the parent is going, "Oh, my kid is reading. Oh, I can't tell them not to read." But then, oh, oh, it's three for two. You know what? You can have three books. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, that's oh, that, so that's that's a huge kind of um. That's been fascinating, and especially around the autumn, the gifting side is really interesting. I love the. I do like the idea of education by stealth because mm. you, it's it's history, it's geography, it's. All these things, but done in a proper way, where it's not. Oh my god! Like, like I did laugh when the weather book came out, and went. If I got the weather book as a present as a child, it's big enough for me to whack someone with. But um, actually, when you look deep dive into it, was a thing of beauty. But it was about the weather. I want the new book on blah or whatever. So the fiction book, whatever. So um, that's probably the kind of big difference for me.
0: And um, so Lorraine, before we start going into some kind of uh, maybe a few categories and books that we'd recommend, when, and this is something you touched on in the Irish Times, I think only this week, um, we talk about a reader and, a, and you know, raising a child who loves books. There is an idea sometimes that that's a very particular kind of cliche of, of, a, of a child, maybe a sort of slightly nerdy loner child. And we know from, you know, I know it as an author meeting um, young readers all the time. It's, of course, it's not like that at all. So when, when we're talking about a reader or a child who loves books, what are we talking about?
2: Yeah, and I, I think it's something that's so important because I, I think in the article i referred to them is they're not all little Matildas running around and <laughs> being ignored by grown-ups. Um, and sitting in the corner reading all the books and I think that is something that's vitally important and I know myself as someone who I don't know if you guys know this but I I quite like talking Um, (laughs) and so it's not necessarily um, the the bookish quiet kid in the corner that won't say a word to you. Um, A lot of the time it's a kid that has a lot of insecurities in different ways and having books is a way of escaping and whenever you meet that child and I found that through book selling was the quietest kid would come in but as soon as you'd start talking to them about their favorite books you can't get them to stop or there's the kids that won't stop talking except for when they pick up that book and they they give themselves that moment of silence and you know we need to stop with the idea that books equal you know reclusiveness or quietness or that there's something that needs to be fixed almost that they need to be brought out of their shell or that if they like books that means they don't like sports and stuff like we see in you know book sales that books about sports and books about kids getting out of being active they sell huge numbers because we need to be able to bridge that gap between being active and and being outside of being social and reading they're two completely separate things and you can love both and there's nothing wrong with that
1: I have. I, I want. That, sorry, Dave. You were going to say. I was just. I just to think of um, the whole book nerd thing from. I like, like the eighties is well gone at this stage, and I suppose that. And you definitely know this, Shane. The the order at the moment is. I have is no the, idea, what
0: you're, t- Oh, I thought you were about to say about growing up in the eighties.
1: <laughs> 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 oh yeah, never, they the But uh, it's, they're the new rock stars. Authors are the new rock stars, and like, it's it's a whole different world to kind of as you know everything Lorraine said lurking in the corner back in the 80s go look at your man and his book the state of that but um whereas now it's it's and it's not it's not peer pressure in one way it's more just kids are openly kind of oh my god you should read this book oh my god there's this author came into our school oh my god sign my jacket type you know yeah. and then get a tattoo when they're older obviously um but that's it's just that's the dream but that's been fascinating that journey from Kind of two to three kids in the class back in the day um, to now it's it's the flip, it's the two to three kids who aren't reading um, yeah. and it's just because, and it's just that kind of energy and they're all bringing in school books but then they're sneaking in a few, oh I've read this years, and that's how word of mouth is really happening with the kids books it's fascinating to see kind of a certain book kind of just jump from one or two kids and whether it's even in teen whether it's a Hunger Games or Twilight that is all how that happens and that's the new as I said rock and roll and that fascinates me and it's um, really interesting
0: yeah I've uh, I've my rule when it comes to signing so you go to books uh, or to to schools and libraries and obviously the kids want things signed and if they don't have a book they just want anything signed Mm -hmm. and my rule is I won't sign school uniforms or clothes which they will (laughs) often say because I know what the parents are are how they're going to react when they get home and I won't sign foreheads
2: that's the other one.
0: <laughs> they say, you're no sign fun. my forehead. I have done, I have literally, uh, you know, had that queue of kids with their hand out and you just
1: oh.
0: signing hands. Um, and uh, Is the, no, the forehead thing
1: because you'd have to write it backwards? Is that why?
0: I, <laughs> I think there's just a point at which you don't want them to look like just they've, I don't know, you know, like they've fallen into a bag of Sharpies or something like that, <laughs> or, you've, or worse, that I've thrown them into a bag of Sharpies. Um, so, look, you know, so the first time, obviously, there are lots of different categories we could go through. There's lots of different age ranges, but a lot of parents, most parents start their kids reading journey by reading along with them and i know as a parent what it's like to have those books where you go brilliant let's read that one tonight and then there are occasionally those you go oh that one again um (laughs) and the the kid you know uh, and Mm -hmm. and we get the same thing you know in the way that that kids love films and they'll watch the greatest showman 47 times in a row or trolls or whatever obviously they will they love books and they will read the same books over and over and over again and sometimes as a parent you have to read that book over and over and over again with them. So maybe starting with Lorraine, what great read-along books do you recommend?
2: Yeah, so it depends on, on I find, the time of the day. Because obviously when it comes to bedtime, you're hoping for something that maybe will wind down a little bit. You don't want them jumping all over the place. My go-to one uh, was always Little Red Reading Hood by Lucy Rowland, which is just a gorgeous retelling of Little Red Riding Hood about... <laughs> A little girl who wants to change the story and i think it's absolutely beautiful because at the end obviously the wolf being the big bad um ends up being defeated at the end but in this picture book they realize that he actually just doesn't want to be left on his own at the end and he goes off on an adventure to go change all of the other fairy tales so that everyone gets the best sort of ending it's absolutely lovely i love that one basically anything by rachel bright and jim field like oh, yeah. all of the Uh, The Lion Inside, The Koala Who Could, anything that has a bit of a a moral, but not in a sort of, you know, garish way, but that can also make you tear up on a bad day. Like I would often be found in the picture book section, tidying it, just sort of looking a little bit sad because I kept stopping to read them and then making myself upset because they were so cute. Um, Mm. So that's (laughs) usually, like, it's like poor, um, I know Sam McBrattney only passed away there recently, but uh, guess how much I love you can't read it anymore i just can't and i know there's another one he literally just released a new one um my friend yeah and oh i can't but they're just gorgeous
1: and dave what do you recommend um well of the the current crop i suppose the one that kind of sticks out for me this year especially is um holly dunbar and owen mclaughlin reached one called while we can't hug which is speaking of standing in a corner and blobbing out the window as people pass you by um it's basically a hedgehog and tortoise who just can't can't hug so they've to invent ways of kind of whether it's dancing or smiling or writing letters to her and it's 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 just it's a beautiful thing and that's the only way to describe it and it's just a really subtle way and it's not for the it's for probably at this time parents trying to explain the whole not being able to hug your grandparents type thing or when you're in school because obviously they they, um so that at this moment in time to me is just you know some there's plenty of books out there that have been released and you can say that what that's pandemic publishing i suppose you'd call it but this just talk about timing it was this was coming anyway and i was like Oh, oh my God! Um,
0: oh, so that was a book. That's interesting. That book was already
1: they had on one the before, list. just called "The Hug," and this one mm-hmm. is "While We Can't Hug." Oh, so wow. it just, um, it, it, but it was in the works weirdly enough. Um, the other one, I suppose, it's a series that I'm I'm obsessed with purely because, um, watching my my mother trying to read it to my nieces again, and it, this is where is it, the Wonky Donkey, Dinky Donkey, greeny Granny Donkey series, which is coming because of all the alliteration and the just the constant chaos um and it's like the the infamous youtube video that got book out of retirement i suppose from a million years ago um it's impossible for a parent to read that book without losing it or the child losing it so probably not the one you should be reading when they're going to bed but maybe (laughs) maybe post dinner or something is but that so wonky donkey is obviously the first one greeny our dinky donkey was the second one and this year is um Granny granny donkey so even that I'm struggling but uh I, I just love them I think they're gorgeous. And, and you and ha- can
2: get now you can get um the wonky donkey with a teddy can't you and he's like all of the different ailments that the donkey missing his has. ear
1: his leg, his
2: and leg. His, <laughs> yes. oh it's amazing
1: and there's a dinky Donk. there's a dinky donkey this year which is the oh. cutest stop it's just too much
0: <laughs> that's an amazing it is an amazing story I mean the actual story of the story being revitalised yeah. because it
1: was it was out of print it was well. I if, <laughs> should we say stuff? Out of Let's just say there was a publisher who let the rights go, and <laughs> and then it just went bananas in pajamas, and we reverted back to what we'd say the original publisher back in the day, and they were like, "What? What's happening now?" And then <laughs> it just became so. I'd say, yo, it's one of those kind of. There's many of those stories in publishing, but you're heading really on. Oh, what it had been sitting for. Years with not a single sale and just yeah. Yeah, Why would you? was so only imprint
2: in, in Australia, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, it was. Yes. Um, but yeah, it that's so they're probably kind of easy, easy wins and just beautiful books. And then one just kind of I just absolutely adore is the Julian series. So Julian at the wedding is the is the new one, but Julian is a mermaid, um, about a, a young kid, a gender questioning child, and his his granny who just lets him embrace the world. And Jessica loves. They're just absolutely astonishing illustrations and beautiful and it just it's yeah you just have to see them so the new one it's at a wedding and again a new friend and just it's all that kind of we're all in this together type stuff and just just for something slightly different to the rest but um like picture books yeah the problem is there's so many but there's just some standout ones in there classics and, and a few of them are obviously the ones coming out
0: And that and that's the thing that we have to recognise with kids is just how much the pictures matter. And you, you, we know as well that when you're reading with a kid, you have to give them time to just absorb the pictures, to, to, to take the details out of them, To uh, they often will draw them themselves. And um, I, I, so I would add in, like we find Oliver Jeffers books okay. have just been a staple uh, for the kids, from kind of my old, my eldest, yeah. who's fifteen now, down to the seven-year-olds, uh, the twins that we have, and they, um, but Oliver Jeffers just works. on what I what I love about those books is, especially with the boy and the Penguin, is that you get this occasionally wandering off, so they reflect the way the kids think as well as yeah. how you know it's not just a story. But there's there's points at which the boy <laughs> will just forget that the this that part you know he's on this mission to uh get the penguin back or get the alien back or whatever it is from from another planet and you know wonder and then remember a couple of pages later and it's almost as if you have that that uh as i said it, it, it's it's a rare talent that can that you know that will reflect the way even a child's mind works yeah. as you're reading the story so i, I absolutely recommend those um and as we, so if we were to go on to the next category, which often you find then that kids obviously start reading books themselves. Um, and again, I'm going to, I am going to use my own experience in this a little bit, but what I've found fascinating about my own kids is they each read in a different way. So I have twins, as I mentioned, and one of the girls, she will read a book from start to finish, chapter by chapter, and her sister, Will, it will? I am not joking She might have eight books On the go at once <laughs> And she will read a chapter From each book uh, In rotation And then come back around to it or, or occasionally go Okay I'm going to read that one And I'm going to read You know maybe I'll try that one So we have to remember The kids read And there's no right way To read a book Because much as I say to her You know you would be Especially when I'm trying to find get her to the end of one of my books, so I can, you know, uh, you know, what, what, why are you reading Wimpy Kid again? My book's sitting over there. You've only got a chapter to go. You um, kids do read differently, don't they, Lorraine? That they, you know, there there is that. Sometimes we feel there's a certain way in which kids should read, or but actually, every kid absorbs a book differently.
2: Absolutely, and and goodness knows a child's brain works in a much you know wibbly wobbly timey wimey kind of a way that's much different as doctor who would say and uh, part of that is their brains don't work quite the same linear way that maybe an adult's one does and so I found when I was um, a kid and it's followed me through to my reading habits now which aren't any more mature than they were when I was about eight but you would have a different book depending on what kind of a mood you were in or what time of the day it was. So like I'd have my nighttime book, but then if I just want to pick up something in the middle of the day for a bit, I'll read something else. And, you know, your, your capacity to withhold different plot lines and different stories and all that kind of stuff. Like if you consider the kind of programs they watch on Netflix, and how you can pop in and out of so many different programs, you know, their capacity for retaining information is huge. And so why shouldn't that be reflected in books then as well? And of course, there are going to be kids that will pick up a book that they have to finish it, start and finish it within one sitting, or they can come back to it a year later and start again. But there is no right way of doing it, because there's no right way to take in entertainment, because everybody is different. And we should hold them books and reading to the same standards we hold to any other form of entertainment or any other hobby.
0: And so what do you recommend for newly independent readers?
2: Oh there's so many and it's a brilliant thing because I know of course you know yourself with Boot which is you know that half-illustrated slightly younger fiction there is it's it's a really interesting and growing area of publishing where there's this great collaborations going on between authors and illustrators for the newly independent reader like the great ones to go with are obviously rabbit and bear julian go, so, and Chip Field.
0: It's, yeah i was absolutely <laughs> going to say the same thing yep yeah. and, yeah, and also just, i think i think they're great read-along books as well yeah. i should say i think they're brilliant ones to read with uh, with your kids
2: oh yeah and i remember when the first one came out and it was a big thing that we were pushing and Trying to explain that there's a whole plot point about the rabbit eating his own poop. Yeah, and I once had a grandmother return the book because she had gotten to that point with her grandchild and thought it was ludicrous and returned it. So. Yeah. Needless to say, having told that story to many other parents and children, we sold loads of them. Because (laughs) that's what they want. That's what they find funny. Their humor isn't supposed to be the same as their grandparents' humor. It's meant to be what is engaging them in a book so that they pick that up instead of doing something else. And. Yeah, the illustrations... By, I'm just going to keep talking about Jim Field for, like, the whole podcast.
1: Oh, everything. yeah.
2: But uh, then Julian just has this amazing, amazing sense of humour that's just fantastic. And then, of course, there's uh, The Princess in Black is one of my go-to ones as well. That's Shannon Hale. And uh, it's basically, you know, what if you were a princess, but also an undercover superhero? And mm-hmm. it's fully illustrated. And what I like about it is it it allows, you know mainly like, you know, the girl reader that maybe is expected to only love princess stuff to maybe say you know what you can be a princess but also a superhero but also a lot of the monsters and the villains are fluffy and pink and bright colors mm. and so it's like you can have everything and boys picking up a book about a superhero it can also be about princesses you know why can't they can have everything and, and it's such a vital stage for them to know that books are for them and that books can be whatever they want to be. And it can, you know, give them so many new ideas.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. I've got a girl uh, who will absolutely love that. I mean, I think all my girls would love that, but I can think of one in particular <laughs> who would uh, who would jump at that straight away. And then, Dave, what would you recommend for newly independent
1: movies? Uh, well, my, my obsession for the last probably two and a half years has been Isadora Moon, um, especially oh, no. for girls, basically it's totally twisting the whole it's okay to like dark and fluffy yeah you know? and that's similar to princess and black and um so we've coined the phrase um emo which is young emo um <laughs> because like she's as i said she's half fairy half vampire you've Amelia fang who is half vampire half witch um there's illustrations throughout tra- and then um, it is. I can picture these kids, you know, listening to My Chemical Romance, you know, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, and going, yeah. And and it's it, I. It's I love a Nightmare Before Christmas. It's this kind of a, and it's just something d- different. But it's also again about being an individual, and you don't have to. That's and but also I love the fact that because there was a pushback for years about that, you know, pink is bad or blue is bad, or and this is just saying. You can like it all. You're as, you're, you're you're a kid. You, who cares? Mix it together. You might get purple. God knows what you'll get. But it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but um, so absolutely adore Isadora Moon. obviously. um, so she's a new one out. And Amelia Fang. And then also like, Lorraine's right. The kind of it was as a, a retailer, you look at certain categories. So um, eight plus to middle you know middle grade box office just can't stop you know books flying out the door picture books around certain times gift books teenage books five to eight was always for a while as which is kind of that's the age group we kind of aim that's our bracket um with kind of this lost soul for the last you know up to about four years ago that you you know had your rainbow magics came along every now and then a series like that would happen and it just got so confused 800 versions of it um but in the last few years things like dogman um, which is the birth of the graphic novel for little ones, um, which weren't superhero, but were just you know, Dave or Dave Pilkey, Flip. Actually, he's he surpassed. I didn't think it was possible. He's gone beyond Captain Underpants hmm. and Dog and Cat Comic um, um Cat Kid are just sensational. So that and um there's a series that so much so that it was a series by David Fickling, the um, Bunny versus Monkey, which were done in the old kind of graphic novel format. But the problem for a bookseller is their spine was barely visible and they don't fit on a normal shelf. So they've actually redone them this year into the, what I suppose you'd call it the dogman format, just to be, you know, it's it's business ultimately. Um, but they also are absolutely mad as a bag of cats. Oh, great, yeah. And yeah. um, it's I always get in trouble when I try to say, this is for boys and this is for girls in the sense that girls read everything. This is a known fact. Girls are amazing. Boys are as a boy, I can safely say boys get distracted by life and stop reading. So when I say something like this is ideal to get a boy who doesn't like a reluctant reader boy, what I'm saying is girls are reading this anyway. So I'm not saying this is not for girls. But I'm saying the graphic novels are kind of an easy way in to getting them reading. Because who knows, after you know a few years, they may get their love of reading back. And it, it happened to me. I lost my love of books back in, again, the dark days of the 80s. Um, I love, you know, we all. I dropped out my love of music at one point, so we have these peaks and troughs. And I think getting boys into the thing, you know, into certain things, and it is always tricksy, And that's where the gifty kind of nonfiction books are also important, because it it just gets them back, and then who knows? They can break free and start reading all sorts. But um, so no, I, it's I love that.
0: It, yeah, no, no, it's interesting because I um, I, we're going to come back to the kind of the YA area yeah, yeah. now in a short while, but. I know exactly what you're saying in terms of how boys and I remember somebody very early on in the publisher talking to me because my first series, Darkmouth, might have been seen as sort of like that. uh, uh, Girls are going to read anyway. Boys, you know, go towards a certain type of book. And much as I didn't like that idea and I don't like that idea, I've seen it in practice and I've seen it in in my own house for my son. For whatever reason and kind of and I, this is the reflection of him, obviously, but more society for kind of, a, you know, you find yourself disappointed that he if if he picks up a book and it, it feels it's too girly, it can turn a boy off the story. And it's girls just don't think like that. And it's fascinating to see. And they do drop off a cliff a lot earlier, don't they, boys, unfortunately, from reading. Um, but maybe we'll come back to that. But it is yeah. it is something which I've seen and and graphic novels have been the thing that he has kept reading as a teenager. But also really nicely, he started to read books like Kate DiCamillo's books, which yeah. are have have, um, you know, uh, teenage girls as the protagonists or young girls as the protagonist and and he loves them, so it does come around after a while. but before we get into that, even though I, I I've taken us down that by way um for that next thing, so middle grade, which is a very American term now, but there's that idea of that sort of eight to twelve, I suppose we think about it as as um you know when when kids really between third class and sixth class in Ireland. Mm-hmm. There are, as you were saying, so many well-known books in that area. There are books that sell gazillions, oh. so we probably don't need to recommend those particular books. And 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 I've I've seen it in bookshops where booksellers, and I'm sure you had this experience, Lorraine, where you're saying this is really good. You're trying to direct buyers. I've I've I literally saw it in in Dubray and Blackrock where um. Uh, A woman said, I need to buy a book for my nephew. Um, It's his birthday. And they go through everything on the shelf almost. And then they say, I'll just get the David Walliams. And, (laughs) you know, and and you can see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So let's do, let's do, I'm sure, I'm sure we will destroy David Walliams sales now in doing this. And I apologize to, but what do do we recommend that you're, the, the less obvious. Uh, series for that age group, or the less obvious books that that are so worth the time and the effort.
2: Yeah, and and just to, uh, for a moment to to touch on the idea of middle grade, and I know it's a phrase that a lot of people within the industry aren't aren't too fond of in sort of the UK Irish industry, but I find it quite helpful because you know categorizing it as eight to twelve is all well and good if eight year olds and twelve year olds were all reading the same things as other eight year olds and twelve year olds, um, yeah. and so being able to call it like there are seven-year-olds that have finished Harry Potter, for example, and that's terrifying to think of. But, you know, bookish kids are bookish kids. And so I like the term middle grade. Um, and, and I do that frustration of, you know, going through every book on the shelf and then them saying, oh, we're going to go with the perennial. And it's it's a very interesting culture we have at the moment of, as Dave said, those rock star authors. And like, in a way, those authors are a fantastic opportunity because they target kids that aren't necessarily... The bookish kids—they're they're booking the trend of kids that maybe traditionally wouldn't have been readers at all. They've picked up, say, your Walliams, your Wimpy Kids, your Dog Man, and now they—they they need something else because they need something to fill the void after they've read all of those, which is fantastic. Um, the likes of like I Love Kid Normal. Kid Normal was my oh, big yeah. thing when I was a bookseller. The uh, Greg James, Greg James and Christmas, um, yeah. or Backwards and Forwards. Yeah, uh, those are fantastic superhero books. Um, but with a, a good twist, and then, and I know Dave is going to kill me for saying it first because we both have similar recommendations. But Never More by Jessica Townsend <laughs> has to be the go. Never
1: kill you. <laughs>
2: it's fine. I'm in a completely different building.
1: <laughs> Are
2: you done? <laughs> t- yeah, but uh, for your magical realism, they're just absolutely fantastic. And then for a slightly lesser known one, there's a series called The Polar Bears Explorers Club. By Alex Bell was the first one, and
1: just oh, yeah,
2: brilliant, brilliant escapism fantasy, all fantastic explorers. So, no, those would be my go to.
0: Great. And, Dave, what do you recommend?
1: Other than Nevermore, uh, which is <laughs> absolutely uh, astonishing and amazing. Um, I would like it more, the more it's more standalone, but the author feels like the series herself, if you get me. Um, so and Charlie Q. Rolf, who did, um. Mm boy at the back of the class there's a new one night bus hero but it's written from the perspective of the bully um and there's you know and um homelessness is involved but it's just done in an absolutely again astonishing way and it's just as you say there's different like eight to twelve is such a vast number of eight so there's there's eight-year-olds who read a certain way, and then there's the other eight-year-olds who will read. And this is that kind of, it's not higher end, that's the wrong word, but um, it's just a beautifully written book. And um, I think any of her books actually uh, are amazing. And then there's a new one coming from uh, Joseph Coelho called, um, again, fitting into the young emo, because there I go again, is Zombirella, which is fairy tales gone bad. So it's basically, you know, uh, Cinderella as a zombie just imagine what's going on. it's just a, it's more like a grim version of what Joe Josephello and you know illustrations true so um, there's all that you know there's it's it's because it's 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 trying to capture like you're right it's it's the same orders the the big box office ones are here, but at some point they've all been read to death, I suppose you'd say, and it is getting the next level and it's it's fascinating to see what ones are breaking out so um definitely one like nevermore in 5 years time will be referred to in a way that i think if you haven't the, the third book is out this christmas uh, hollowpox and um it's just astonishing and it's just brilliant character and again quite dark and that's some of these are i, I love again it's it's the darker end of the series that and it's if they're moving on beyond kind of the the volumes of the wimpies and the dortheries this is this is probably Want to stand up amongst all, and the great thing is, if no one has read them, you've treed to go it already. You're ready to go,
0: <laughs> and uh, and then for that tricky jump from middle grade, we'll use the phrase uh, into young adult, um, that's that is the stumbling block, isn't it? It's the point at which a lot of readers and for, for and there are lots of reasons why readers drop off. and I know that this is something, and I'm sure Lorraine, you've encountered this. Parents get quite worried about reading at this point. He's not reading. She's stopped reading. I wish I could get her to kind of pick up. And, and sometimes, and I've been guilty of it, you begin to maybe slightly force feed books because you you, you worry about it. And it, it's it, it, there are reasons. I mean, school becomes a factor. Time becomes a factor. Uh, social life becomes a factor. Sport becomes a factor. There's so many different reasons why kids don't read at that age but are there what would you recommend Lorraine to keep just to keep that ember the embers going in a situation perhaps where parents feel that that it's becoming a a bit more difficult for them to find the right thing
2: yeah and you're absolutely right like the main reason why uh, kids and teen young teens fall off reading is because they have so many other things to be doing Mm. like you've got as you say social lives and you've got social media you've got all of these other forms of interaction and media and as well when some kids start dropping off then suddenly you don't have those friends to talk to about the books and so you felt like you lose the social element as well and and it's sad but it happens and that doesn't mean they won't come back into it and I you would get an awful lot of panicked parents going what can I do to keep them reading and force feeding them like you say like in a lot of ways can be the worst thing that you can do. It's like trying to tell them to clean their room or to not go out. All this kind of stuff. Like it's just not going to work. And and then it becomes a chore. Again, it becomes homework. It becomes something for school. So my main recommendation, and it's the same recommendation I give for basically every age group, is what are they interested in besides reading? What is the thing that has them distracted from sitting down and reading a book? Because goodness knows there's probably a book that has something to do with it. Like we had a fortnight section. And I'm sure, Dave, most of the the Eastern shops have a Fortnite section. Um, Like the best series of young readers that I saw from any sort of a a TV standpoint were the Pokemon ones. Pokemon have a great set of readers. And, you know, being able to show kids that, yeah, you like all this other stuff, but that doesn't mean you don't like books. Um, There's a fantastic series of middle sort of middle grade books uh, by Gary Oldfield and they're the ultimate football heroes and they're the biographies of real footballers written as fiction and we used to sell shed loads of them because kids would collect like they would trading cards they collect their favorite players and they trade the books with their friends and they want to get the ones with their teams you know the only reason I know any footballers at all is because of those books <laughs> I'll, I'll hear I'll hear the name of a footballer <clears throat> and I'll go ah yes that one he wears Your the, the <laughs> jersey on this book <laughs> but like that's what's so important and so for that age whenever you get into teen and YA you know first of all you have to consider that maybe they're going a little bit ahead and you need to start thinking of adult books uh, maybe you need to go less literary as it were and I'm doing inverted commas that so you can't see and uh, you need to go you know the graphic novel route let them go visual rather than you know piles and piles of text and you need to give them the freedom to enjoy the media that they enjoy and let books be part of that
0: yeah funny and and i'll come to your uh, kind of recommendations now David. but we found illegal by own colfer and you know others um was the graphic novel that sort of changed the reading habits at home for my for my teen he absolutely loved that book it is a fantastic story for those who don't know, but, a, a, you know, a child taking that uh, route um, to Europe from Africa, uh, but told with sort of that, that typical lightness, but also adventure and drama and everything that that, um, that you come to expect from home, but with amazing illustrations of amazing uh, drawings in them. And really that graphic novels have been a big thing in our house since. And even we buy those Marvel books um, those kind of collections X-Men Spider-Man Batman And the great thing is I read those too Because that's what I That's what I was reading 30, 35 years ago mm-hmm. So uh, they've really been and, and I think they They, they I suppose a cross over f- Between that um, Film That love of film and TV The kids have And And the love of print You know The two things come together In a, in a strange kind of way So uh, David what do you recommend
1: yeah, it it because it's it's fascinating because it has changed over the years and it's um, it's it's yeah. How do you capture? And I think the the, the description of what a book is and what like you know, car, like even for young people, character books on character, whether it was Peppa or Miley Cyrus autobiography, the days of being a snob about books, like if it's as far as I'm concerned, if it's a book and they're reading it. They're reading a book. That's, it doesn't matter whether it's you know Cornflakes Box the book. They're reading. So, um, um, which will be a great seller, I'm sure. Not. Um, but um, so yeah, I think you've just you, fairness. You've you've hit everything I was going to say in the sense that. Um, Sorry. No, no, uh, Bodhi is because no, that's good because it's true. Like what what are they into is key because you know a, a book about Black Pink the band and they don't like reading, well, you know what, you give them a book about that, they'll read it while listening to the music, so, um, I just wanted to kill there for a minute, and I was just throwing it out, cool, I watched the documentary yesterday, sorry, and it, um, but no, it's, it's no, find out what you're into, whether it's Pokemon, and whether it's superheroes, graphic novels, um, you know, making a big leap, you know, the, the teen, or the middle grade to YA, and teen is always, slightly tricksy, Um, like, but there's no problem with jumping like you, you'll notice stephen king has had a revival and i think the huge part is because teenagers um unless some phenomenon comes out like uh, again hunger games the Virgin, Twilight, one of these things that everybody bails in you'll find that stephen king has never lost it and actually it probably coincides with actually for the first time about six decent movies from stephen king normally they're rubbish um but uh, so that's always an easy win. Um, but, you know, obviously scared them to death. That's really fine. Um, the Michael Grant series, I think, is absolutely amazing. And like, it's all the classics. The gone, gone series. The gone right? series. Yeah. Absolutely. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I would argue that still to this day, the Alex Ryder series is basically like James Bond for teenagers and it's got a TV show. So that, you know, they're easy wins and and then then you get into, you going into the section and, you know, because it's, it, it's very difficult, you know, it's more about the recommendations there, but teenagers themselves going in, it's okay, let them go in, and that's where you get back to the whole, you better have a decent jacket, lads, or else they're going to walk straight by, but um, <laughs> it's, oh, uh, no, interesting, interesting. So uh, Pullman, look, don't forget Philip Pullman, always when in doubt.
0: So uh, we've, we're kind of running out of time now, so I'm going to ask you just very quickly for a tip, for because that term reluctant reader is one that we hear about all the time, and I hear it. And and what's what's the nicest thing as a as a writer is when a parent or especially says to you, my son didn't read books, or my daughter was a reluctant reader, and then discovered your story and now has read them all, or started reading other things. So there are always those books that will change something. I'm not recommending and that it, it's always mine, but you should try mine first, <laughs> is clearly what I'm saying. Um, but what, so if you had one tip, Lorraine, for, you know, to help parents of reluctant readers, what would it be?
2: Um, it would absolutely be take all of your own preconceptions and throw them out. It's nothing to do with you at the end of the day, we know that they're your little ray of sunshine. We know they're fabulous and you love them to bits. But if you are going into a bookshop and talking to a bookseller to get a recommendation, you need to put the child there and you need to walk away. You need to let them have their own individuality when it comes to the books they want to look at and what they want to read. And if they come up, like my fondest memory of being in the little independent bookshop that used to be in NACE was going up to my mum with a Digimon file book on all of the different Digimon and going this is what I want and I remember her face falling and she tried to get me to read The Babysitter's Club and I said no this is what I want and you know obviously here I am and books are my life and that was because I had the freedom even if it killed her to let me be interested in what I wanted and to have that freedom to develop my own love of books rather than them trying to pass down their love of theirs so I'd say that'd be my big thing.
0: That's great. And uh, Dave, what's your recommendation, or your tip?
1: My tip would be, oh, where, do you, where do you even begin? I would, <laughs> you know what I'd do? I would line, I'd sit them on a the couch because I know they love telly. And I would make them watch every Roald Dahl movie because there's rarely a bad one, back to back, right? Say nothing, just make them watch them all. James and Giant piece, they'd be freaking out. Got it, the witches, what's happening? This is amazing. And then when they're all finished, I say, you know what? They're based on books they're in your local bookshop get down there now and read and i guarantee and and you know what's even better the books are better than the movies and they lose their mind and that's you know that's a very but to me it's if it's not Roald Dahl um it's basically yeah you know again either let them run free in the wild um you know if they're old enough to run free in the wild or um if it's the gifting section, you know, some, as I keep going, something like a girl's play too with Jackie Hurley about sport or whatever, into the sport or into graphic novels, just let, find the thing they're into and find the book on that. If, if the kid isn't there, it's a gift you're looking for. Go that route. Go, go in with the idea of what they like and there will always be, no matter how good or bad, there'll be a book version of it and ultimately, whether it, it doesn't matter if it's the worst book in the world and badly put together because they love it and they'll want another one, and I, even if it's an annual, like don't annuals get a bad rap all the time. they are the, the 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 doorway to another whole world because again, there's plenty of text in there. it's like hey, some of us had to read wizard chips. it's a thing from the eighties and seventies um <laughs> but um that, that's another way of, of getting people to read like again again, basically mini graphic novels, so um yeah th- they're the kind of things you can do but Joe i.
0: Yeah, I still have my Star Wars Annual nineteen seventy eight. I have it. I have it on my desk. Uh, I will say, actually, even worse as an adult. Not worse. I'm quite happy about this. I lost it as uh, in my teenager, so I bought it again as an adult, ah. and uh, and it sits there. And it is some of my earliest and happiest reading memories of the Star Wars Annual. So, yeah, uh, annuals are my annuals
1: my are great. biggest regret. Just is um, I had a copy of the Neverending Story, Michael Ende's. Before Lamal came along, there was a book. See again. See that song. There's a book about that song, and um, <laughs> but it was it was written in in red and black, so you had to flip it over when you went into it. And uh, I lost it as a child, and uh, you can't get it anymore. And I'm still obviously got chips on my shoulders to this day. But um, just throwing in the fact that Never Ending Story is amazing. Sorry.
0: Well, uh, on that bombshell. <laughs> 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 the mal, I meant, rather than the book, maybe. Um, and listen, it's been great to talk to the two of you today. Thanks a million for that. I know that people listening will... I think they'll get reassurance, uh, they'll get some uh, kind of great ideas and also they'll get just great books and great book recommendations out of that. So, David and Lorraine, thank you very much for that today and thanks for listening uh, to all the the listeners out there and thanks especially to our sponsors. Uh, the International Literature Festival Dublin is an initiative of Dublin City Council, kindly supported by the Arts Council. And uh, we wish you all the best and good luck Bring up those... Uh, lovers of books and all those great readers out there thank you very much goodbye